Here we go. Episode 53 of the Hardline Sports Talk. I am Michael Merlo. Joined alongside me, I have John Michael Masiri. JM, how are you? I am doing good. Um, you know, can't complain. Uh, there's a wad of ice in front of my house right now down the stairs. Oh, so, yeah, that didn't help. There was like a leak in the gutter or something. It was just dripping down the whole snowstorm. So now there's just a gigantic sheet of ice. So it's basically uh, life or death when I want to leave my house. But besides that, I'm still here, so I'm good. We got hit with a blizzard over the weekend, and it definitely has inconvenienced my life a ton. I got stuck in the snow on Monday while I was driving because the people here, and I work for the town of Oyster Bay, and I'll put them on blast. Whoever was plowing in North Massapequa needs to leave their job because they didn't do it very well. Mm. It literally got stuck twice. It took me 10 minutes to get out of this one spot. Uh, so, but yeah, enough with the snowstorms, please. I love snow, but I'm good for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's enough now. We saw enough snow. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, lots to get to in football, obviously. Um, we have a Super Bowl matchup. It'll be the, you know, it's the Rams at the Bengals. Yeah. That's the designation. Although we know the game is in LA in SoFi Stadium. So the Rams will be wearing white uniforms. They are designated as the road team, but they're actually playing at home. They'll play the Bengals. I, I know, shocking. We're going to get to the games, the NFC and AFC championship games in a little bit. But first, we have to start off with something that is a pretty crazy story that broke um, on Tuesday at about 4 o'clock. Um, and this is Brian Flores, who is filing a class action lawsuit against the NFL, specifically the Giants, well, the NFL and specifically the Giants, Broncos, and Dolphins. Uh, three separate reasons, but he is claiming that um, there is something wrong with the system in which um, head coaches are hired and it is um, racist and there are issues. And he, he has proof from text messages from Bill Belichick that said, before Flores even interviewed that the Giants had already picked their guy. Bill Belichick thought he was texting Brian Dayball. There First goes the AirPods. AirPod. First time the AirPod falls out for the day. Um, Belichick thought he was texting Brian Dayball. This was before Flores was interviewing. Um, they corrected the mistake, obviously, but it was known at that point that Brian Dayball was getting the job and Flores hadn't even interviewed yet. Yeah. Um, you know, this is part of the, what happens with the Rooney rule, right? The Giants did a terrible job of handling it. Um, you know, obviously it's it's unfortunate that they already had their coach picked out and Flores was going there for basically no reason. And, you know, the Rooney rules, rule was put in place to encourage more diversity for coaches and GMs and, uh, you know, positions like that. But this is what happens, um, kind of the bad side of it, which isn't the fault of the rule. It's the fault of the teams, right? So. Brian Flores was literally interviewed with the Giants just to fulfill the, the requirements of the rule, which isn't right. You know, that's a waste of his time. It's a waste of the Giants' time. So shame on the Giants for what they did. I don't really know a lot about the, what the Broncos um, and what happened there. But, you know, you've got guys like Eric Bieniemy has been a name on the coaching market for a while, and he had countless interviews. Was he there for the right reasons? Was he there because he was being considered for the head coaching job? Or was he there because the team just wanted to, you know, get the NFL off their backs with the Rooney rule. So teams aren't taking the Rooney rule the way it should be taken with seriously considering minority head coaches. And it's a shame because that's not right. You know, these are human beings that you're interviewing for these high quality positions and they deserve a fair shot. You shouldn't be just interviewing them because you want to fulfill a rule. The Rooney rule sucks and it's, and it's insulting at times. And when we talk about the Broncos in a minute, you'll see why it really sucks. But listen, the Giants handled it poorly, obviously, that Bill Belichick was able to know that Brian Dayball was their guy before it was even announced. The Giants claim, and there are many sources confirming this, that the job was not offered to Brian Dayball until Friday about after, you know, after they had finished the interview with Leslie Frazier. They then offered him the job after that, they did that in the morning. So about the afternoon, they offered officially Brian Dayball the job. Now, here's the thing with the Giants and why they're wrong. It should have been known. Keep the cat in the bag, right? You, you, of course, they're going to call Belichick. 
Um, Mara is very close with Belichick. They've all coached under Belichick. So, of course, he was getting the call. But to have this come out before then is just so, so wrong. I'm a Giants fan. I'm happy they went with Brian Dayball. That's what I wanted. But the process in which it happened in is wrong. This needs to be changed. The only solution I have for this, honestly, you know, a change is you have to incentivize teams to hire more coordinators that are minorities, whether it's defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, because that's how you get in the coaching you know, cycle. You, you, you got to change it up. You have a lot of white coordinators being hired, and that's just the way it is. And I don't know what the, the NFL owners, I don't know if they have anything to do with it. I'm under the belief that teams hire the best possible guy for the position, no matter what. And I mean, I don't know. I, I guess that's not it. I, that's the way, you know, I guess I looked at it as a kid and just grew up thinking the organizations are doing what's best for the team. Right. Um, I mean, that's what we like to think most of the time. Um, you know, going back to the way the Giants handled everything, you know, some people might argue and say, oh, well, it wasn't, it, why does it necessarily have to be about race? Well, when they're interviewing Brian Flores, when they already had the decision in their mind that they were going to hire Brian Dayball, like, why else would Brian Flores be there except for the Rooney rule, you know? So I think he does have a pretty good case, uh, Brian Flores, and saying, hey, this is wrong. Um, and then, uh, to me, the craziest part about this story is the whole Stephen Ross tanking part. Brian Day, uh, Brian Flores claims that he was offered $100,000 per game to lose so the Dolphins could get higher draft picks. And I believe it. I really do. Um, Hugh Jackson came out today and said something also that he's been in similar situations. I believe it 100%. Um, you know, we've tanking is a thing we've heard about tanking it's not it wouldn't just be in the media but teams would completely ignore it teams want to tank like i would not i'm not surprised by that at all um it's it's very bad for the sport if this is true but i really do believe it we talk about tanking as fans and you know sometimes it is in the best interest of our teams to lose games for better draft picks but as fans, we never actually think it's going to happen because the owners and the people that run the team should never let that happen because that's the integrity of the game. As much as we think it's best, you're never going to ruin the integrity of the game. And to hear it from an owner asking his coach to do that, that is, I mean, to me, this is the biggest scandal. And if it was true and they were able to prove it, that's one of the biggest, bigger scandals we've seen maybe ever in sports. But it gets even crazier, J.M., because – they there was a report on Sunday that the bank that the Dolphins tried to mortgage their future and offer countless amounts of first round picks to move up in the Bengals spots to select Joe Burrow in uh, 2020. Now, obviously, the Bengals declined all the trades to move down so the Dolphins could take Burrow. And now this comes out. There's also another report that around that time when Stephen Ross asked uh, Brian Flores or bribed him to lose games. Stephen Ross was investing in a gambling startup company. So this gets even more that, fishy. Oh, Jesus Christ. And if they can prove that, I mean, that's got to be removal from the league. But, you know, we'll. Yeah, that, know this is not. There's a lot of coincidences that are going down at the same time. Right. Um, I also find it a very odd coincidence that the Denver Broncos are listed in Brian Flores' lawsuit and. It just so happens the day that that was released and he was firing a lawsuit, the Broncos were putting the team up for sale. They were going up for sale. You, they are they were already going up for sale. I, how, I that how does how does that how does he know that this? How do we not know that they knew about this lawsuit that was boiling for a couple of weeks? Um, I had heard. I mean, I, I, it's been known for about a month now that they were going for sale. It was just a matter of when they were going for sale. The owner, I know, I know that selling the team. I know that Flores was just recently interviewed by the giants, but he already had this stake against the, this case against the Broncos, you know, from two years ago, but 
Yeah. Uh, no, I, mean, I think it's if, star- I think it really started with the lawyers about, you know, a week or so ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it was, I, I don't Broncos think the, I don't wasn't related to it, whatever, but yeah, there's with that whole dolphin side of it, that is way too many things happening at once that it obviously seems like Steven Ross was trying to, you know, bet against the dolphins and have his coach lose games and make all the money in the world and think he was being smart when he was really being stupid. And if that is true, then hopefully he gets caught. He gets banned. He gets that's illegal. So we'll see what happens. A lot of, a lot the, of dirty stuff going on. The thing with the Broncos was um, in 2018, he interviewed for their head coaching position. This was obviously before he was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Um, it, it was pretty clear that this was a Rooney rule, you know, check it off the box. We interviewed an African-American coach. Um, and he said that the executives, John Elway showed up an hour late to the meeting and were clearly hung over. They were not into it. And, and to me, that is so humiliating. That is just disrespectful and also un- unprofessional. And, and on top of it, apparently Flores is a fantastic interviewer. So you probably missed out on something. And you hired Vic Fangio, who you just fired. Yeah. That so work? that's just not a good look at all. And, and that's what's really wrong about it. The thing with the Giants really confuses me because. They had had two interviews with Brian Dayball before they even had one with Brian Flores. But the second Joe Judge was fired, his lawyer said literally an hour after Joe Judge was fired, Mara was on the phone with him, gauging his interest in the job, telling him he's very interested in him. The Giants and Flores were linked for a week. He was the favorite to get the job even when Shane got it. And then it started to look more and more like Dable, but still it was Flores and Dable. Those were the two guys. So did Dable just impress them so much in the first two interviews that by the time they got to Flores, it was like, well, we already, we really love Dable, but we have this interview. It just really shocks me that it comes out now that this was a Rooney rule um, interview and on top of it they had already interviewed uh patrick graham and they had already interviewed um leslie frazier so it's, it's just so strange to me especially with the respect that it, it seemed that john mara had for brian flores well even if it isn't you know a rooney rule interview it's what, what what kind of job is that by an organization that's irresponsible to have your mind made up before you even fully interview a guy because like you said flores it ended rough in Miami, but when he got fired, nobody expected it. We were like, really? You know, Flores was one of the the, the hot commodities, younger coaches on the uh, uh, in the league who was doing a good job in Miami. And like you said, he was the favorite to get the job for the Giants. So if you really like the way the interview went with Dayball, how could you, before he even gets there, be, oh, we have our mind made up, whether it's Rooney Rule or not, you, everybody should get a fair shot. And you shouldn't Agreed. you shouldn't make up your mind before you're, you you interview everybody. There's one kicker to this that I didn't even think of the last two days talking about it is that Joe Shane and Chris Greer, the general manager with the Dolphins, are good friends. So whatever saw when he, when Joe Shane goes calling and asking about Brian Flores doing his you know pre-interview work, he's calling his friends up with the Dolphins who clearly just fired him have issues with them so it's not a good look that's my fault that that fell out by the way that wasn't the airpods fault. um there was a couple other things i just wanted to say about it because listen it's wrong and the giants deserve to be penalized if if this is true i mean they it, it's very sloppy and it's it's disrespectful and, and the rooney rule in my opinion has to go but you have to hire more minority coordinators, get them into this coaching cycle. I mean, Brian Dayball was the hottest, one of the hotter coordinators on the market for the past couple of years. He won coordinator uh, assistant coach of the year last year. So, you know, it just so happens he, you know, he's next in line. We have to get more of these guys next in line. Patrick Graham seems like he's next in line. He was just a finalist for one job. I'm going to guess he gets a job next season as long as all goes well with the Giants, but we need to see more of it. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a crazy story. It really is and obviously when we we know more, we will um 
you know, we'll talk about it, but this is what we got right now. Uh, and more coaches are going to join this list. It wouldn't shock me at all that the lawyers of Brian Flores have um, already lined up, you know, a couple of guys I want to talk to Hugh Jackson, like you mentioned, I'm sure Hugh Jackson is going to join this. Let's move on to Tom Brady though, who was officially retiring last week. We had our episode and we had said, we don't think Brady is going to retire, but he is. Uh, rumors came out Saturday afternoon that he was retiring. He had then said, I haven't made it official, but he does make it official Tuesday morning. He's done after 22 years. It's weird. It's a really, really weird feeling. Um, I remember when I heard the news the first time, you know, before when everybody jumped the gun, whatever that was Saturday. And then it was like, well, hold on. He didn't retire. But when I heard the news, I remember I was like, my first reaction was yes. Like, let's go. Cause you know, the jet fan in me came out. I was, (laughs) I was very happy. But a couple seconds later, all of a sudden, like, depression set in. And I was like, damn, this is actually very sad that Tom Brady is retiring. So, and that's been my relationship with the guy the the whole 13 years of me being a football fan is I can't stand him, but I respect the hell out of him. And that's basically the way I still feel. Um, Can't stand him as a player because he was so freaking good and he tormented me for so many years, but respect the hell out of his frame of work he's a good man everything like that um so yeah it's it's very weird it's sad to see such a great player go um it's it's gonna feel weird for a while um it 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 would feel even weirder if he was still a patriot i think um but we kind of already got used to not seeing him in that patriots uniform so it's a little less but um yeah the fact that I'm 20 years old and I've been, he's been in the league since I was in an operating room being birthed. That's pretty Mm -hmm. insane. Winning Super Bowls then too. Um, Yeah, it really is crazy. It's, it's good. It's a little upsetting, you know, because our whole, literally, like you said, our whole lives, this guy has been in the league and covering the NFL and watching the NFL is going to be a lot different without him i just bought this book actually i i talked about the book for a while um when it first came out um it's called it's better to be feared and it's about the patriots dynasty in the last 20 years and, and the downfall of it it's by seth wickersham i'm very excited to start reading it um but my beef with brady is yeah. with um the way he announced it and what he said so he put it on instagram and twitter he had this post like this picture of him and the picture was him in a tampa bay buccaneers uniform and it just so happens it was the game where it was rainy and they were at gillette stadium then it's like you know a seven slide whatever thing with a bunch of you know he's thanking Everybody under the sun in Tampa Bay. He's thanking his family, his agent, Alex Guerrero, and not one mention of the New England Patriots. And now I get it. You're saying, oh, well, he's retiring and he's retiring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he's thanking everybody. Yeah. Everybody. He didn't leave anybody out except the New England Patriots. He then put something on his Instagram story where he was thanking everybody who posted something for him. And he said, thank you. And thank you, Pat nation. I love you, but it was just something quick. And then he did the same thing for the, the Buccaneers. You spent 20 years there, unless you're planning on being in new England in the next couple of days and you're retiring as a Patriot, you did the fans wrong. I'm very sorry. Not only the Patriots, I don't care what your relationship was like when you left with Belichick and whoever else, but you owe it to the fans, man, that spent billions of dollars on you to go watch you play in Super Bowls and buy your jerseys and be there at every game. That sucks. That is rough. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say, oh, well, he was really just talking about the retirement process, right? Him talking to his Tampa Bay teammates and coaches and whatnot and his family. That's what he meant in the letter. Like, okay, I don't think that's a great point, but. Either way, even if he was doing that, you're right. 20 years in New England, his entire legacy basically comes from there. I mean, he had seven rings. Six of them were with New England. Uh, You know, 90% of his career was in New England. So 
Yeah, you're right. Um, he's a, a Patriot in the Hall of Fame. Everybody's going to remember him as a Patriot. Um, and he owes it to the city. You're right. I mean, I don't care how it ended in New England with him and Belichick button heads and whatnot. You know, you got to kind of let your bitter feelings aside. You don't even have to – if you don't want to mention Bill Belichick, fine. The Patriots at all, the city of Boston, New England, whatever, nothing? Like, that's pretty bad. Well, I agree. You don't have to – nobody's asking to mention Belichick. And it's not like he I, came out with another letter talking about, yeah. oh, thank you, New England. Thank you, Wes Welker. Thanks, Julian Edelman. Thank you, this, blah, blah, blah. None of that. If you go on his Instagram story, he had, you know, was tagged and things, posted things, and he went and he wrote back hundreds of people. The Patriots posted something that today, tonight, that Bill Belichick wrote and just posted his statement on this story, and, and Brady went and he posted it, he reposted it and said, thank you. You know, it was an honor to play for the greatest coach in NFL history and a couple of hearts. He's a big emoji guy, apparently. Yeah. Like you, you got to do more than that. That's what that's what it. You that's what we're post. doing now. Yeah, you need a you need a post, and you're right. You don't need Belichick in there, but you need to thank the fans. And apparently, his relationship with Robert Kraft. I mean, they're, they're kissing each other in the locker room, right. right outside the locker room before the game. They're very close. And and one thing I just read actually in the New York Post a couple hours ago was that. Kraft was pissed. I, I mean, Kraft threw a temper tantrum in the front offices of the New England Patriots the other day saying he was mad about the post, very mad about the post. Yeah, I would be. I mean, you know, the amount of time and effort that that guy spent with Tom Brady, um, I'd be pissed too, you know. Uh, Tom Brady meant a lot to that franchise. He's literally, when you think about the New England Patriots, when you think about the NFL, you think about Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform. So... He has a right to be that furious. Um, I can't stop. I guess it's because I'm a fan. I can't stop thinking about the fans. I would be very, very upset if I was a fan. Um, hopefully Brady makes it up in some way. I don't know if he's got something planned, but it's a shame that this is the, you know, the topic when we really should just be celebrating the amazing career that this guy had, but he had to throw a little shade. It was shade. It was absolutely planned again what you could have used the amount of photos different photos he could have used the seven different photos of him holding up a trophy an mvp trophy um in the super bowl walking off the field walking off the field with his family a picture of pregame thousands of different photos he could have used and he chose that one that one yep. with tampa bay on a rainy night in new england that's the one mm -hmm. he chose it was planned out 100%. This one fell out. That was not my fault. That was the AirPods' fault. And uh, crazy. We'll see what happens. Um, if he retires a Patriot, I'd be shocked. Yeah, me too. I, I would I would bet a lot of money against that. Um, I'm still surprised he retired. I really am. Um, oh, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I know just about everybody is, but I didn't believe – I'm not surprised at the way he retired because I thought about it. Like I said last week, I don't think he would want those distractions of, like we said, playing like you're at your own funeral kind of a thing. I don't think he would want to deal with that. Um, but it wasn't even in my mind this whole entire season that I was like, oh, this is this could be Brady's last year. Never crossed my mind. I figured, the longer it went on, though, it kind of it stunk a little bit. Like, all right, maybe it is. I don't know. I figured that he was going to play another three years at least. I really did. I, I, I believe that he was going to play into his late forties because he just set, oh, I think career highs, right? Had he ever thrown for that yeah. many passing yards before? Um, there. And he was playing at an all time high level at the age of 44. It was really remarkable to see. He just came off the super bowl. His team was playing well. They won the division. I didn't expect that to happen at all. I'm still in shock. Um, I know what we've been talking about is the letter and everything like that. And it's a shame we have to talk about that, but just talking about his career in general, it's, it's sad to see you go, but I love to watch you leave kind of a thing in a non-sexual yeah. way. Um, oh, I, uh, it's, it's sad that he's out of the league, but you know what? Get not not even anymore because he was in, it was in Tampa. I felt way more happy when he left new England. Because I was right. like, oh, thank God he's gone now.
but what the hell? The, the NFC just lost another good quarterback. All the AFC ones, please bring them over here. I mean, pretty a soon all of- 16 teams in the AFC are going to have elite quarterbacks. So. <laughs> and then obviously the one Daniel Jones with the dust. Um, the thing about Brady is when we, when we talk about Brady's crew and we're telling our kids about Tom Brady, we're going to say he was – I guess we'll say it. I mean, I still think it's LT, but whatever. The best football player to ever play. Right. And we're going to say he won seven Super Bowl rings and retired at the age of 44 and was an MVP candidate at that age. Never fell off the cliff. Never fell off the cliff, which, I mean, if his legacy needed any help, it just right there. It, it made his legacy even better that he, this was his final year at age 44. It's, it's unbelievable. You're right. He could have played at a high level for three more years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's in phenomenal shape for a guy who's 44 years old. Um, I, I and really he goes out healthy, goes out healthy, goes out healthy. Family. Exactly. Nothing wrong. I thought he was going to fall off the cliff, to be honest with you. That last year in New England where he, he didn't have a great year. I think he threw like 25 touchdowns. He was struggling. The offense was struggling. I thought he was going to fall off the cliff, but he didn't. And he's, he's, he's at the top of the cliff right now. Um, you just brought up a point. We were talking about something about Tom Brady, and I was going to make a point about it, but now I completely forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really remember. Brady, healthy. No, we were talking about the AFC quarterbacks. Oh, and Daniel Jones. All oh, right, Daniel Jones. Um, I hate to switch topics here. How about those uh, Washington Commanders? Yeah, brutal. I hate it. I'll let you know right now. I hate it. Um, I think there are a lot of other alternatives for the for the name. I think Washington Football Team. I think they should have just stuck with it. I think it works. I'm happy they have a name. I I think they are. I think it was actually comical that their name was Football Team. And anything's rock, better than the football team. It. They rocked. It. No, I I don't like commanders. I liked red tails. I thought that was perfect. Whatever. I also liked admirals. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we? We I need love to make the obvious red joke. Tail, I wanted red tails. It's that was my number one too. It's very close to redskins, right? So you're used to the red part, right? But ever first of all, have you ever seen that movie, Red Tails? No, I didn't even know it was a movie. Phenomenal movie. You should watch it. You, you know me. I don't really watch movies. Yeah, you're not really a cultured person. Red, no. Great movie. Great history lesson. It made sense. I would have loved that, but eh, they messed it up. Of course. I mean, what Chase Young? Did you see that video up? about Chase Young? No, what I I didn't watch the video. I saw it though. Like, yeah, it was, so like, there was yeah, like, like November there was Pro Football Focus or somebody did like a little like game thing with Chase Young, and it was like given hypothetical names for the new team name or whatever, and Commanders popped up, and he had to give it a score on a letter scale, and he gave it an F. Oh, good. And yeah, very good. Commies is what they're going to be sh- short as commies. That's what, do you understand it though? Like that's what they're people are going to shorten it to. Yeah, I don't like that. Well, obviously, it's not just not a good term. I'm reading the nutrition facts on this honey made uh, graham crackers box I got here that I had for a snack before. Yeah, is it expired? Nah, I just like had like a third of the box before, and that's a lot of freaking calories. I didn't realize it. Eh. Oh. Yeah, it's all right. And don't just don't look at the nutrition facts and you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Just if, if like, you don't it's know. like COVID. Like you don't get a COVID test, you don't have COVID. You can't test positive. Yeah, <laughs> it's impossible. You know, no notice. Actually, great point. Notice how in the NFL playoffs, not one person. Yeah, is now, positive for that's COVID. a great. Po- I never thought of that. That's not a really good one point. person has tested positive for COVID. What a coincidence! Just don't test. Yeah, fine. as as Omicron is spiking around the country. <laughs> yeah, I'm like they're right. I mean, you know. Yeah. That's, positive. that's a really good point. I'm glad you said that. I did not realize that. We was talking about it on like Tuesday. I'm like, wait, yeah. nobody is tested yeah. positive for COVID. Let's talk In about months. the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl. I haven't made up my pick yet. 
I have, I have I, my, I have my pick. I'm doing very well in retirement. In case anyone was asking, uh, it's been great. I haven't lost any money. It's very, it's very nice. You, if you want to join me one day, let me know. Um, one thing I will tell you, I don't know if I'd bet against Joe Shiesty in a big time game because that he's the man. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very happy with the way the Super Bowl ended up. These are two teams that I wouldn't mind seeing win. I am rooting for the Bengals, but if the Rams win, it's kind of love hate because I love Matt Stafford. Um, I actually would like to see OBJ get a ring. I know a lot of people don't want to see that. I want to see OBJ get a ring. Um, but I'm not, I I don't like Jalen Ramsey. Not not a big Jalen Ramsey guy. Even Aaron Donald, he's like a lunatic on the field. He's a very good player, but he's always like getting in fights and he's like a crazy guy, but whatever. Um, but I would like to see Von Miller. I know he already got a ring. I want to see Von Miller get another ring. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, then obviously I like Burrow. I like Chase. I like Mixon. I like all those guys. So. Um, I am rooting for the Bengals. I I like this matchup. I think it's going to be a fun Super Bowl. I really wouldn't be surprised if it gets high scoring. Um, I know that might be a surprise because the Bengals' own line is bad and you have Aaron Donald and Von Miller on the other side, but... And Leonard Floyd. They don't really care about that, the Bengals. It, it seems to not matter. Joe Burrow just throws it and it's like, F it, Jamar's open somewhere. So... I think it's going to come into play here, though. I, I do. I don't think you can run from it. I, I You can't run from a bad offensive line. Mm-hmm. And when you play a front seven like this. Is this going to be – is this last year all over again? That's what I'm thinking. Is this going to be Tampa against Kansas City, Pat Mahomes running for his life? Is, is Joe Burrow going to be running for his life and he can't do anything? I mean, you had a team in, in Tennessee sack them nine times, right? Sacked Burrow nine times yeah. in the divisional round. And, we, and, you know, the consensus was – the Bengals did not win that game. The Titans lost it because their quarterback threw three interceptions. Yeah, ten- three interceptions. Tennessee that can't happen. LA's offense is way better than Tennessee's is. And the defensive line is way better too. I, I think it catches up to them. I'm with you. I like Stafford. Like to see him win. I, you know, OBJ is my boy, and I really want to see him win. I, I think that'd be very cool. I still can't believe the Bengals are in the damn game. Well, let's talk about that because they did play the Chiefs. And they had to beat the Chiefs on uh, that was last Sunday a little while ago from now. I'm done. I'm done with these AirPods. I'm done. <laughs> the Bengals did beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead after being down 21 to three at, at one point in the first half. Um, but, you know, played very well. Um, just, you know, kept crawling back, crawling back. Uh, terrible turnovers from Can- the Kansas City Chiefs. And they end up losing this game. And, you know, a couple of things, you know, I mean, the game happened on Sunday. So just very quickly, I mean, you know, I thought at the end of the half um, when the Chiefs, you know, really could have used points, got 14 points, five seconds left in the half. Uh, no timeouts. Um, Mahomes asked for one more play, one more play. He got it and he throws a ball inbounds instead of a quick throw to the end zone and they don't get to run another play because they had no more timeouts left. Um, Mahomes thought he did and they don't get any points. I think that messed with Mahomes head for the rest of the game and ultimately led to them blowing the lead and, and losing the game. Yeah. Mahomes honestly lost them the game. He really did. He didn't, he, he didn't play great towards the end. He was, he was getting too cute with the scrambling around. The Bengals did a really good job. Uh, Trey Henderson played really well. I'm drawing a blank. What's that guy's name? The guy who was spying and came up with the sack. Oh, Hubbard. Uh, Hubbard. Sam Hubbard did a really good job. Um, they, they, yeah, they, did, they defensively did a fantastic job. And I think everyone can agree when the Chiefs won that coin toss, I was like, here we go again. You know, Chiefs are going to win overtime rules, whatever. We're going to have the same conversation on the podcast that we did last week about the Bills game. But um, surprisingly, that's not the way the game ended up. So good for the Bengals. Uh, Mahomes threw that pick at the end to Tyreek Hill. I kind of stopped for a second and was like, oh, boy, Tyreek Hill, is this going to be a, a 80-yard touchdown? But a fantastic play by Jesse Bates. Um, and then they just ran the ball down the Chiefs' throat, basically. And, you know, whenever McPherson comes on the field, that ball's going in between the uprights. So, uh yeah, it was – I still can't believe they came out from 21-3. That's like an underrated part about the game. You know, I kind of 
everybody forgets about that a little bit. But I, 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 I still can't wrap my head around the fact that they're in the Super Bowl. And I keep seeing this thing now where all the Jets fans think we're going to the Super Bowl next year. because Yeah, think, what, what is that like, about? They're like comparing the situations like second-year coach, second-year quarterback. Uh, I don't even whatever the hell else they were comparing. Young receiver. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, we're a little while away from that, guys. Let's take it easy. I, I that'd be great if Zach Wilson takes a monumental leap and turns into a Joe Burrow type season next year. But Super Bowl, how about how about let's win seven or eight games first, and then we can start saying you know playoffs and then Super Bowl, please. That was pretty crazy. Kept saying that. Um, you're right, and you're right about the fact they come down twenty-one-three. I mean, what what are you thinking? In Arrowhead against Mahomes, everything's clicking in that first half. You're down 21-3 to them. They just you stick to your game plan, you stay calm, and you do what you got to do. Made they made stops on defense, great adjustments. Credit to coaching because you know if you just stick with what you got to do and stick with what you want to do, it'll work. If you believe in your process, it will work. And to that, that must have been so great for those coaches, man. The mm-hmm. feeling that they got holding them the three points in the second half, and it was the field goal in the last um, drive of the second half. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, at that point, when you're down 21-3 at halftime, that's got to be pretty demoralizing. especially. It was 21-10 it was at halftime. 21-10, especially when you're on the road. Uh, but hats off to them. They did a great job. And, yeah, like you said, the adjustments that the coaching staff made was was great. I mean, the Chiefs offense was stagnant in the second half. B.J. Hill coming up with a huge interception, mm. former Giant. And, uh, yeah, you know, you said it. Um, I haven't been this shocked in a while at, at something in sports than I am about the Bengals in the Super Bowl. It's Can Eli Apple really just shut up? He's an idiot. Like, you're ass, bro. Like, I don't know why he keeps, <laughs> like, talking shit, like, saying, you know. Oh, Tyreek Hill of all people. Yeah, but Tyreek Hill, like, dude, you're, like, the slot corner and, like, like you're not good. Like Jesse Bates is the reason why your defense got that interception. I don't know why he thinks he's so good, but he did make a nice play on that last play of the half against uh, Tyree Kill. He made the tackle on Hill the solo mm-hmm. tackle. It was a nice play, but other than that, dude, he drops a game when he picks six in overtime. Yeah, it's it's the year of surprises. I think, like you said with the Bengals, I feel like this always happens in sports where it, like. Each league has similar champions and stuff because the Braves won. Who the hell saw that coming? Now right. you got the Bengals in the in the Super Bowl, and then you go to the NBA. The Suns made it, and the Bucks were even a surprise. I like. I know the Bucks are always in the mix, and they're a top four seed in the uh, in the East every year. But you know they kind of had that stigma around that that they were like a pretender and weren't ever going to get over the hump and get through the East. Everyone thought it was going to be the Nets or maybe the Sixers. It's a year of surprises. Really unhappy you said that. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking at the numbers today for the first time, the way the line's moving and, you know, the way the, the spread has moved and I'm like, I'm like Rams. Rams are the pick right now. I am temporarily on coming out of retirement on the Super Bowl Sunday. I'm I'm retired too, you know. Like, I would say, I mean, I you're quit you're like part you you retire, but now you got a part time job kind of a thing. You're just I have a part time job right now. Yeah, you're just dabbling with some NFL games. No more. No eight. dabbling. No dabbling. A little like same gamer as an NBA. Yeah, uh, maybe a maybe a quick parlay in college basketball. That doesn't sound like retired to me. That's part time. I could I could be going full blown straight betting five college basketball games of teams you never heard of, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, Washington State uh, basically saved my Sunday on uh, t- 10 o'clock. I'm glad uh, to hear that. Uh, 49ers and the Rams. That was uh, an interesting game. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan likes to do this thing where he has a lead late in the game in a huge game, and he just decides to not give his best player the ball and um, lose the game and blow the lead. Yeah, I don't know. He's, he did it with Julio, and he's doing it with Debo. But, uh, yeah, there were a lot of Jimmy G moments, if you will, uh, in that game. Um, like the Jimmy G slander. I don't know why you're making faces because he really – I mean, he literally gave the game away at the end with that 
circus throw that he tried to make. I mean, sometimes you got to just take the sack, throw it away, do whatever you got to do, live to fight another down. Um, yeah, so we'll see where the Niners go from here. They People didn't expect them to go this far, so it was still a successful season for them. They have a bright future. Uh, John Lynch has already talked about extending Nick Bosa and Debo. They have Trey Lance, who they picked uh, with a top 10 pick this year. He was, he was top 10, right? What was he? He was three. He was three. They went back to back to back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they have a bright future ahead of them. That roster is going to stay intact. But we'll see what happens with Jimmy G now. Heard some rumors about some teams. Bucks, maybe. Um, Makes sense. Pittsburgh. Makes Can you sense. imagine? I understand the Packers need to trade him, but imagine if Rodgers ended up in a Bucks uniform. Yeah. You'd have to be the most spoiled fans in the freaking history of sports if you had Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers back-to-back years. Rodgers couldn't do that. What? He's not mentally tough enough to do that. Oh, okay. Sure. He can't do it. He wouldn't be able to do it. All right. He can't follow in the footsteps of Brady. He's like a okay. you know, okay. little petty, you know what? Right. You're rotten, Denver. Um... Credit to the Rams, too. They, they stuck with it. You know, you're down 10 going into the fourth quarter. Not terrible. And uh, Stafford gets are it we, done. Are we good with Cooper Cup now? Is everybody in agreement that this guy's freaking amazing? Because if you're not, then you're just oblivious and you're an idiot. Because he's he's had one of the more impressive seasons I've seen from a wide receiver incredible. in my lifetime. I understand he lines up in the slot a lot and he goes mm. with linebackers or whatever. But you don't accidentally put up. 16 touchdowns and 145 receptions and freaking 1,800 yards or 1,900 yards by going against linebackers every play. You really think NFL teams are just like, oh, you know, he's in the slot all the time. Let's just leave him there. We'll put our middle linebacker on him. It'll be fine. Really? You think people are that stupid? He can go against anybody at any point on the field, and he's an incredible route runner. He's great after the catch. He's his hands are amazing. Fantastic hands. Coordinated his footwork. Everything's great. And um, he, he's playing very well in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Two touchdowns the other day. He's he's absolutely phenomenal. And Odell, you know, brought him up before. Uh, he's done very well as a number two wide receiver. He's going to get paid. The Rams want to keep him. There's a chance they can move money around and keep him. I think that's great, and uh, I'm really happy for him. And again, I hope. I'm, you know, regardless of who I root for, uh, bet on, I'm probably going to bet on the Rams, but I'm rooting for Odell. I hope I hope he plays well and, and gets that ring. List time. That's a lot of football. Uh, when we come back, we've got probably our biggest list of the year. Top 10 right fielders yeah. in Major League Baseball. Of all the position players, yeah, then I'd say starting pitchers are going to be a big deal. So I was going to say starting pitchers is probably the biggest one. But um, this is definitely one of the bigger ones. Uh, right fielders, top 10, and uh, a couple other things in baseball when we come back. Here we go. We are back to Hardline Sports Talk, episode 53. We are back to do our list in baseball, the top 10 right fielders, probably the strongest um, position other than uh, starting pitching. Uh, this is, uh, is going to be a good one. I'm, I'm feeling this one. feel very strongly about a couple of guys here. So. Yeah, a um, little scared because, like we said, I think there's a lot of talent on this list, but there are a couple tiers. You know, you got your your good players, your great players, and your elite players on this list. And I'm a little scared for how it's going to shake up in terms of I think it's going to be really similar between us. But without further ado, uh, my number 10 is, I believe, he yeah, he just signed with the Marlins, I think, Avisael Garcia. Uh, he was on the Brewers last year, 2.9 F4 last year, 115 WRC plus. He's always been like a solid player, right? We oh, he was in Chicago, he was a good player. He was with Milwaukee last year, he was a good player. So consistent bat, um, you know, two to three war player every year. I think he might have an all-star mixed in there somewhere along the road, but good player, number 10. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Vizio Garcia. We'll see him in a minute. Uh, my number 10 is Hunter Renfro of the Boston Red Sox. I really like this guy. 
Really like Hunter Renfro. Uh, 31 home runs last year. Uh, drove in 96 guys. He had a 114 WRC plus. Only a two, about a, maybe a 1.8 uh, F war. Excuse me. His defense, not so great. But a solid offensive player and stepped up big time for the Boston Red Sox last year down the stretch. He is number 10. Yeah, nice year for him last year. Uh, didn't make my list. Uh, I think you have the combination of his last couple years before then and then the weak war numbers last year. He he missed the list, but he's t- he's actually terrible defensively. Don't have a yeah. Um my number nine out in St. Louis, my boy Dylan Carlson, 2.8 war okay. last year, 120 WRC plus, actually identical numbers to the guy who was above him, uh one spot, but yeah, Dylan Carlson had a nice year, switch hitter, um, good, decent defender. A lot of solid young outfielders for St. Louis that they have. You got Harrison Bader, you got him, and, of course, you have Tyler O'Neill. Um, and yes. they, used, they used to have my boy Randall Gritchick. That didn't end well. Uh, but my boy Randall Dylan Carlson, nine. Number nine, I've got a Viciel Garcia. I love Viciel Garcia. Um, I wanted the Mets to sign him. I thought this was a fantastic signing for the Miami Marlins. Um, 29 home runs, which I just looked at that again, and I'm still pretty surprised by that. Uh, you know, you you read the numbers off. He was a very solid player for that Brewers team. He was obviously, you know, he started. Um, I, I, I think he's a very underrated player. He got paid a nice amount of money, I think $60 million from the uh, Marlins. I think he's going to be a key. I think he's going to play a key role for, you know, this team moving forward. Yeah. Uh, nice little signing there. Really nice signing. Re- I love it. I got my favorite move of the, the offseason. Okay, relax. Relax. All right. Number eight, Mitch Hanniger of the Seattle Mariners, 2.8 F4, 120 WRC plus identical to Dylan Carlson's stats. Um, the Mar the the Mariners went on that crazy run last year, and he was a huge part of it. I mean, down the stretch, he was on fire. It seemed like every night he was coming up with clutch hits for them. Um, thirty nine homers last year and hundred RBI, almost had forty and hundred. So great for him. Eight oh four OPS though, weird, right? Big big homer guy, but that's really it. On base numbers not that high. Three eighteen. You know he he's a, he's a a solid offensive player for them. I mean, like I said, 120 WRC plus 122 OPS plus. So um, he's been good. Finished 20th and MVP numbers. Number eight. Terrible defensively. His war numbers are down. He is my number eight as well. I think we're uh, starting to get to where it could be identical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like you said, you know, he had a, uh, you know, he had a nice year for them. He was uh, very clutch especially when they were making that run to go um, try and make the postseason for the first time in God knows how long. It's the longest drought in sports, postseason drought in sports. And uh, he was getting big hit after big hit for them. So, um, yeah, I think eight's a good spot. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. No surprise here. Uh, I could say it for you, too. Me and Merlo's number seven, because I know for a fact that this is going to be his number seven. Uh, Nick Castellanos of the Cincinnati Reds, who is currently a free agent now. Uh, 4.2 F war last year, 140 WRC plus was the hottest hitter on the freaking planet at one point last year. I mean, his batting average was like 370 or something at one point in the season. Um, yeah, he's always Nick Cassianos has always been one of the most underrated hitters in the MLB. I'm sure you can go on and on about him because he's your boy and whatever. You, you're I love player. Nick Cassianos. Yeah, so he's always had a thing a for him. Payday, but number seven. What? I've always had a thing for him. Yeah. And uh yeah, he's terrible defensively. You know, I I really I really like him. I mean, I really like him. Uh he's terrible defensively. He's always injured and I didn't want my team to sign him, but really <laughs> like the guy. <laughs> right, you and want I no hope- part of him. He can't stay on the field and he sucks in the fi- in uh, in the field, but but he's a great hitter. Yeah, I mean, great a fantastic hitter. hitter. He would and, be great uh, on, on an AL team. He should go back to yes, the AL. He should go back to the AL. I, I have him at seven, obviously. Um, you know, really, one of the more underrated hitters in all baseball. Yeah. You go ahead and say number six, because I know it's going to be mine, too. You know what? I want you to say it, because you could say a lot more about him. I'll say number five. All right. 
My number six, Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. By the way, we, like we said, we always don't tell each other what our lists are going to be. But and I asked, and I asked if I asked him, I'll let me send you my list. So yeah. maybe we'll change it up a little bit. And he was like, no, it's authentic. Said, yeah, okay. It's exactly, this is, it's the way it's done. Um, But, you know, with the way the numbers stacked up and, I think I know this kid well enough to how his brain works. I'm pretty, I was pretty sure that we were going to have very similar list. Um, yeah. Number six, Kyle Tucker, 4.8 F war, 147 WRC plus. He's a stud, this guy. Um, he can be higher on this list. I wouldn't, I really wouldn't be surprised if he throws his name in the MVP conversation next year. He's a really good player of a great defender too. He could, he's, He's very good. He's a good left-handed hitter for the Astros. Um, an emerging star that maybe we didn't see coming, right? He was a, he was a pretty well-known name as a prospect or a young big-time prospect. But did we see him maybe getting to this point? I, I I would say no. Um, but good for him. I don't hate him. He wasn't on that 2017 Astros team, so I got nothing against the guy. Uh, yeah, number six, Kyle Tucker. The one thing when I was looking at Kyle Tucker was that he just turned 25 which is pretty scary. Uh, he's going to be a very good player for them. Uh, number five for me, and I'm guessing you too, Mookie Betts, uh, former yep. MVP Mookie Betts. Uh, a little down year last year. We were talking about it before we started. Uh, the, the power numbers weren't there. His slugging percentage was about 487. He only hit 23 home runs in, in 122 games, uh, but still, you know, about a 4.0 war. Um, a very solid player. He just got paid big time. His 2020 season was fantastic. Um, 2019 was fantastic. And uh, 2018 was the year he had a 10.4 F war and won the MVP. This is a superstar. Um, not going to shock me if he jumps up. The, I mean, it, it's pretty tough to jump out this list, but, you know, at one point he was number one. So he really shouldn't shock you. He's that good of a player, and I think he'll bounce. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I was saying. You know, he he's the number one guy on this list a year ago, and you know when you slide to number five on some of these other positions, you might say that's a big drop. But when it comes to right fielders, all these guys are so close in talent, right? You have five MVP candidate superstars. You know these five these top five guys could literally take up the top ten players in baseball. That's how stacked this position is. Um, but yeah. I also had Mookie Betts at number five. Wouldn't be surprised if he goes back up this list, but the numbers were down a little bit last year. Uh, number four, my boy. I got Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees, uh, 5.5 F4 last year, 148 WRC+. plus. We know how good Judge is, right? It was always just can he stay on the field, and he finally did it last year. Um, had a little bit of ups and downs. Um, the OPS was around 850 at some point late in the year, but he hit a hot streak towards the end. So, uh, he got it into the, the, the low nine hundreds. Um, the reason why he's not as high on this list really is, you know, you would say, well, 900 OPS, I'd imagine his defense wasn't as good last year. Um, he's usually one of, if not the best defender at this position, but uh, defense was down slightly last year. I'm not really concerned about it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's back to the way it was last year. We know about the arm, right? Uh, a bunch of these guys have cannons, yep. Judge, Betts, Cunha. All these guys have freaking rocket arms. Um, yeah, I can go on and on about Aaron Judge. He's my father, but number oh, four. Wow. Yep, you got Judge there at number four, too. Like you said, it's all about staying healthy. If he's healthy, he's one of the best players in baseball and if he's not well best stability is availability all right number three your boy not my boy not my boy at all uh bryce harper our uh, boy come on he uh, he helped us in fantasy last year he, you're right he did he made he made the playoffs and made us a couple bucks last year crazy that the mvp that had a 170 wrc plus a 6.6 war hit 35 home runs is number three on this list, but he is. Yeah. Uh, Harper was absolutely fantastic last year for the Philadelphia Phillies. His first year with the Phillies wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible. He had a 4.5 war, but, it, you know, he signed the huge contract and people felt as though it was disappointing. Um, played well for them in 2020, but absolutely took off here. Um, an insane year for the Philadelphia Phillies and absolutely deservedly so won an MVP. 
Harper at three. Yeah, um, I agree. Bryce Harper at number three. Um, like you said, it's funny. The league MVP is the number three in his own position. But, you know, you got Juan Soto still left to be on this list, and he almost won it last year, right? Um, so Harper's a stud, but there's two guys right ahead of him that are young, talented beasts that – could have won the, you know, you talk about Acuna. He was really the front runner for the MVP last year before he was hurt. And like I said, Soto was right there with Harper. Um, all re- right. Re- hold on. Re- really funny that um, the three guys that we just listed all play in the NL East. It's really good. Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's just good. Like it's the good. quarterbacks in the AF, in the AFC. Yeah. You got to deal with the same thing. Yeah. Just, you know, seven, 19 times a year. It's perfect. Right. Um, all right. This is where we differ. My number two, Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, 6.6 F war last year, 163 WRC plus. Um, Probably the best gifted hitter at this position, right? I mean, we've heard all the comparisons, Ted Williams even, about Juan Soto. He's an absolute stud. He has insane plate discipline, um, just vision in general. He doesn't chase pitches. And when he swings, he makes contact and he makes hard contact. So the move to right field was good for him. He was a a better defender in right than he was in left. Still not great, pretty average, um, but improved. So, yeah, you're going to disagree, but I got Soto too. Right. And I got Acuna at number two. And obviously, you know, nothing against this guy. I mean, he was on track. He played in 82 games last year. He's on track for over 45 home runs, <laughs> you know, in one season. He had a 157 WRC plus and already again in half a season had a 4.2 war. I agree with you. If he continued that track and did not tear his ACL, he would win MVP. Um, he did get hurt. Um, he's I mean, I'm looking at the numbers again from. From 2020, uh, from 2019, excuse me, 41 home runs, 100 RBIs, 37 stolen bases. But for whatever reason, the WRC plus is actually a little lower than I thought. It's 125. Right. Look at and that. the war, the war isn't as high because he was playing center field at the time, but they moved him to right and he's a better defender in right than center. Right. I mean, there's nothing against this guy. It's just I, I feel very strongly about Soto, you know, and 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 that's really all I have to say. I mean, I can't argue it's right. tough to argue well, this guy you know bad things about him because there's nothing bad about him. right that's the thing i mean we're at the point in this list when you go from bets and up these guys are all pretty much interchangeable right everybody's a freaking stud um it kind of just goes to who do you think has the edge slightly so i put acuna one i think he has the edge slightly just because of he can do anything on a baseball field kind of a thing he's in the top in the 90th percentile and everything, right? Sprint speed. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. He's got an absolute rocket of an arm. Um, he can hit homers. He can steal bags. He can hit for high average, right? Um, the only negative about his game is really the, stri- the strikeouts, but who really cares about that anymore? Um, Apparently nobody. Yeah. So I got a Cunha one. Um I really, when we have, I I love to have this talk with the Acuna, Soto, Vlad, Tatis pick, right? Like, who would you want out of those four guys for the longest, for if you were starting a franchise, right? I'd put Vlad last, right? Just because I think he plays a position where you can get offensive value out of the most. Right. Um, I really want to say I would go with Acuna because he is, he's just amazing. And he keeps trajecting up. I understand Tatis is a stud too, but I, I would consider him heavily. And then obviously Soto, we know how good he is. Yeah. Um, if, if you listen to us, you know how I feel about Soto. Um, I think he's just, I think that this is going to be like, we talk about trout as the best player. Maybe we've seen in the last 10 years. I think Soto has the ability to be the best player we've ever seen, period. Like, like that's how good he is. And it's and it's funny that it starts with plate discipline. He know, When he's arguing balls and strikes, you you know you got something wrong. Right. Because the, 
his eye at the plate is unbelievable. And you could go and watch clips of him not swinging at pitches and they're clearly out of the strike zone on the K zone. And it's called a strike. There are many cases of that. Same thing happened with um, Otani. And, you know, the, the one thing that was startling to me was the slugging. He only had 29 home runs this year. Yeah. But I think that will change. The, the slugging percentage was down to it was 534. Well, he had a he didn't have a great first half. Did he even make the all-star game? He didn't. Yeah. So the he didn't make the, half yeah, right. I actually, for, I forgot about that. I forgot about it. He, he started off um slow he's he's unbelievable you know a 6.6 war and again that's starting off i think the first month or two just was not himself and he, and he figured it out it had an insane yeah. second half you i know, mean you're right about the you're right about the defensive numbers he's gotten better over the years still not great it takes his war numbers down a little bit but um yeah I, the guy, I think the guy had a 525 on base percentage in the second half <sighs> Like, how, do you, how do you stop that? It's know. like, it's almost like having a, a Barry Bonds just, you know, the power is, is down, yeah. but it's the plate discipline like that. I mean, the sli- a slash line of 348, 525, 639 in the second half. That, that's ridiculous. There was, a, there was a point when the Mets were, you know, competing last year in the second half and they were playing the Nationals. I would, I, 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 I meant this. Just walk them. Yeah. Just walk them. Yeah. There's, there's no point. The lineup sucked. Still sucks. And, and that's the other thing. He plays with absolutely no production in that lineup. So yeah. he's not getting any pitches to hit. They're not going to let him beat you. I, I can't wait to see what his on-base percentage looks like this year. It was 465 last year. I, I, if it was in the 480s, 490s, it would not shock me the whole year. If you ever want to have fun to our listeners, um, go on Baseball Savant. It's a good website, right? And just look up Ronald Acuna, look up uh, Juan Soto, look up all these guys, and just look at the percentiles where they rank in the league because it's all going to be uh, bright red, which means very good. And in the 90-something percentile in max exit velocity and expected batting average and average exit velocity, barrel percentage, chase rate, they're all going to be at the top of the list. Yeah, they are special guys. We are blessed to see these guys uh, play baseball right in front of our eyes. And um, just click the Zoom app on my computer. Uh, And that's going to do it for our list. you want to read them off quickly? Yeah, sure. Um. My number 10, Vizel Garcia, Dylan Carlson, Mitch Hanniger, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Tucker, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Mine is Hunter Renfro, Vizel Garcia, Mitch Hanniger, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Tucker, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Ronald Acuna, and Juan Soto at number one. That's right fielders for you. Uh, we're done with really position home. players. That's it. On to pitchers. Starting pitchers should be fun. I can't wait for that. Starting. I love pitching. Love pitching. Love my pitchers. So uh, we'll get to that, obviously, uh, next episode. Um, I'd love to be able to say that we're going to be able to watch baseball and have a date. Of right. We're going to be able to do nice. that. But we don't. Uh, players and owners met um, a couple of days ago. Uh, made very little progress. Um, they're meeting in the next couple of days. Uh, economics and you know, the core economic issues are not going to be discussed in the next one, but they do plan on meeting either later in this week or early next week to go back and, you know, bargaining over that, the important stuff. So we'll see what happens. Um, not feeling good. There was a couple of dates I had seen, you know, when to worry, when to not worry. I read an article yesterday. I think March 3rd was the day. If they don't have a deal by March 3rd, start getting nervous for opening day. I'm already nervous for opening day. Joe, am I? I, I, you know, I'm going opening day because, you know, people, you know, had extra tickets. Like, you want to come? I said, yeah. Um, Yeah, I want to go the next day. I want to go Saturday because I think they're doing the, to the Met game. They're doing Seaver Statue, Scherzer's pitching. I'm not buying those tickets until I know. Right. But then, you know, you free agency is also not even close to being over. Right. Yeah. You got like 10 of the top 20 guys are still on the market. So are they 
are we in for a fire sale as soon as the agreement? Oh, it's gonna. They already know that. Like that's already known. Like the yeah. day it unlocks, they're not allowed to negotiate. Technically, right? Right now? Yeah. No, they're not allowed to talk to him. Yeah. Buck Showalter can't call his players. He hasn't spoke to any of his players. Wow. That's. It's annoying. Yep. Impatient time. Impatient. Uh, the Mets might be uh, breaking the bank open even more. Payroll, $300 million. We'll see. Kyle Schwarber, come on, buddy. That'd, that'd be ridiculous. What? They got Kyle Schwarber. I think it's possible. I think they want it. If DH is there? Yeah. Come on over. Well, Max wants it. Ma- Max wants it. So what about whatever. Porto? He's... Uh, if I'm him, I'm signing a one-year deal. He had he had a he had an eighteen million dollar one-year deal on the table. He said yeah. no. I was surprised by that. Honestly, I wouldn't have even offered so him the qualifying offer. He's forgotten. He he just became forgotten. Yeah, wasn't on this list. Go to Colorado, hit fifty home runs in Coors Field, and then get. Oh, you think he's you think he's capable? No. Neither do I. But you know, get as many as he can. All right, that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Not much this weekend. Uh, enjoy the Daytona 500. There Thank you, you. That is. Oh, no, the no. you're going to the Daytona 500. I am going to the Daytona 500. Enjoy the clash. The, the clash at the Coliseum. At the LA Coliseum. It's going to be sick. I can't wait. Um, thank you. Enjoy the Pro Bowl for whoever the hell watches that because I don't. Maybe I'll bet on it. We'll, we'll see. Right. Yeah. Bet sure. on some props. Um, talk to you guys next time.